Okay, so we're reading from Romans chapter 5, verses 6 to 11, on page 942. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one will dare even to die. But God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if we were enemies, we were reconciled to the Lord by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have, from whom we have now received reconciliation. Please keep your Bibles open. Well, good evening, everyone. Uh, my name's Rob. It's lovely to see you here this evening. Uh, if you're guests, a particular welcome to you. Um, it is wonderful to be able to meet people on our estate uh, and have conversations with people, and we've been doing that this afternoon. So if you're here as a result of that, uh, we're really glad uh, that you came along. Um, we, if you would keep your Bible open uh, at Romans uh, chapter 5 to those verses... Um, I am going to refer to them in just a moment. Um, we have a bit of a split in our church. And you're probably thinking, oh no, split in the church isn't great. The split in our church is uh, over whether it's too early to talk about Christmas. Okay? Uh, so it's not very serious. Um, uh, there are some real Scrooges out there who think it's too early to talk about Christmas. Um, but I, I'm not one of them. Uh, so... Uh, but the jury's out, isn't it? it what, what do you think? Is it too early to talk about Christmas or not? Yes. Okay, we're split pretty much down the middle. We should have sat people with the nose and the, and the yay, shouldn't we? Um, uh, and so that you all would get along nicely. Um, but actually, um, you would have seen uh, in Christmas adverts a little while ago, uh, Sainsbury's did an advert on uh, 2014, um, about 1914, uh, and about Christmas Day and the truce. And uh, we're going to watch that now. We're going to watch that advert. Um, and then I'm going to refer a few things to that as we go along. Um, so can we have the lights? And all the rest. Um, it's actually one of my favourite Christmas adverts, really. Um, and I think that's because it's not really about Sainsbury's. Uh, isn't it wonderful to watch something that's not actually about the people that are um, trying to sell you their product? Um, very moving, isn't it? Uh, to, to think about that day um, on Christmas Day when there's this truce between two hostile, opposed sides... And yet, it was only for one day. The advert didn't show that it went straight back to business, as usual, the next day. Um, and um, uh, we're, we're thinking about uh, uh, remembering those who have given their lives in service, and we're thinking about those who, uh, perhaps even some in our, our families, um, in past generations, who have, have lost their lives in war. And... Um, I just thought we'd start off um, by looking at some of those uh, figures on the screen uh, of people who gave their lives um, in this way. And, um, you know, you can see that by far World War I, uh, World War II, and it's you know, in comparison with the amount of people that died even in the last couple of years with the COVID um, thing. So um, uh, we're going to be thinking about that together. Um, but I did want to play that advert because I want that to be the picture in your head. And I think why it's a good picture to talk about when we talk about war particularly is because it addresses the elephant in the room. The elephant in the room when we talk about war and about remembrance is 
Why is there conflict in our world? We can remember those who have gone before, those who have taken part in that conflict for valiant reasons, um, but we don't ask the question, do we, why is there conflict in the first place? It's a deep question, and we need answers for that, don't we? And the other question we need, um, here's my elephant, uh, not just why conflict, but can it end? Can conflict ever end? Because that's the big thing, isn't it? Wars rage on. Big, the, the, what do they call the First World War? Uh, the Great War. But, you know, there's still wars today, isn't there? What will end this conflict in our world? Now, the Bible, which is God's word, will, if we will allow it, offer us surprising and yet compelling answers to both of these questions. Now, of course, part of the answer is that the decision to go to war is a complex one, and sometimes it's unavoidable. And I'm not suggesting or belittling the the complexity of that. Uh, But what I am suggesting from this is that the stubborn existence of this kind of conflict in our world is cause to see that conflict is never far from us. That's what it teaches us, isn't it? Conflict is here to stay, or it seems that way. And whether it's on a global and political scale or just in the everyday interactions with each other. Um, so think about some of the, the number of different conflicts you maybe narrowly avoided this week or maybe you didn't avoid them. Maybe you had to deal with those conflicts. Maybe they weren't even your conflicts. Maybe they were, you were trying to resolve conflicts with other people. You know, we work in, in workplaces, schools, those kind of things. That's a big part of the job, isn't it? I was chatting to my friend just this week, and he said he runs a team. He's a project manager. He runs a team, and a big part of his job is getting people to get along. <laughs> and one of the ways of trying to sort of make it so that people's bust-ups would be smaller is by putting less competitive people in the room together. But you can't get, get rid of it altogether. And as I said, uh, we know that we just can't seem to get along with one another. And even if it's people we deep, deeply care about. So Christmas time. I'm going to mention it again for Sam's benefit. Um, you love to spend time with family at Christmas, don't you? And it brings much joy. But if your family is anything like mine, there's plenty of arguments. Mm-hmm. Bust-ups. We just can't seem to get along with one another. Why is that? Are we interested to know why that might be? Do we have an answer for why that might be? Why is there conflict? in the first place. Uh, we spend a lot of time and energy, don't we, trying, when it's a conflict, trying to, trying to talk about who caused it. And that's one question that we can quickly find the answer to, but what about the wider question? Why is it there in the first place? The Bible doesn't duck this issue. And we're going to look at that passage from Romans chapter 5, um, and it's going to teach us some things this evening. Why conflict? Well, we'll start off with that. The Bible's answer is, We are enemies with each other because we are enemies of God first. We are enemies of each other because we are enemies of God first. But another way, we have hostility with each other because we have hostility with God. Um, If you look at my diagram on the screen, it's quite simple really. Um, uh, There's that vertical relationship, if you want to talk about it in that terms. A vertical relationship with God is broken. And as a result of that, the horizontal relationship is broken. Um, You might be aware that actually, um, according to the Bible, in the first book of the Bible, and the first humans, 
they decided to disobey God. And what that did was to lay claim to God's absolute control, his kingly control over their lives and over the world. And that ruined their relationship with God. They would have had a perfect relationship with God if he had been God and they had been his creation. But they didn't want that. And we have repeated that same thing day after day after day. Our lives have been um, kind of set up in a way and we live lives that basically want to be independent of God. And that ruins our relationship with him. Um, One book I read on this said uh, this definition. When when you get two parties, not, not like fun parties, okay? Just parties, two different groups who claim absolute kingly control, conflict is inevitable. When you get two groups who claim absolute kingly control, conflict is inevitable. Now that's true, isn't it, of the, of the national level, when you claim kingly control over the land, the, the, the nation, conflict is inevitable, war is inevitable. But it also applies, doesn't it, to our relationship with God. Because if we claim a kingly control that belongs only to God, there is going to be conflict. There's going to be hostility. And that's exactly what happens with our relationship with God. Why conflict? Well, the Bible answer is one that we might not find all that comfortable. But it says that we are enemies of God first. We're enemies with one another because we're enemies with God. This is the underlying cause of all hostility that exists between us. Whether it's the, you know, the unkind word and the dispute over something. Or whether it's the, um, the violence that we see. You know, when people, when words aren't enough, what are we going to use? Well, we're going to use our hands. And people lose their lives that way, don't they? It makes us enemies of each other because we are enemies of God. The vertical relationship is broken and therefore all the other horizontal relationships are going to suffer. And that discovery is, I said it's uncomfortable and it will come as quite a shock if you're someone who might have assumed that you're neutral on God. We sort of think there's three places to be. I'm not one of those God people. I don't want to be one of those. I'm not one of those God haters, um, but I am sort of neutral. That I can have a neutral ground when it comes to God. And, And that's not true. This says we're all haters of each other. We're all enemies of each other because we're enemies of God. But God doesn't just identify that problem. He tells us the solution. He actually fixes that problem. And we've been hearing about that a little bit in the service so far, haven't we? The second part of that question, can conflict end? Well, the answer we get in in these verses is, yes, it can end. The greater hostility between us and God can be brought to nothing. But it can only be done through the death of his son. Uh, Shall we read together? Um, Let's read from verse 6. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Can conflict end? Can this hostility with God end? You, read, you heard it twice in that, in that sentence. It can, but it can only when Christ died for sins. If Christ died for sins, 
then this hostility can be fixed. We don't have to be enemies with God because Jesus died for sins. Now, there are huge amounts we could say on the cross and how by his death, Jesus ends the hostility that there is between God and man. But Jesus himself on the cross, doesn't he? He says, my God, why have you forsaken me? In his humanity, he can cry out to God and say, I have been forsaken by God. God has abandoned me. That proves, doesn't it, that there is something deeply spiritual that Jesus is taking on that, um, that broken relationship. In that moment on the cross, as he dies, that's what he is experiencing. Yes, the pain. Yes, the, 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 the humiliation. But more importantly, and more seriously, the, re- the broken relationship with his Father in heaven. And if he did that for us, for the ungodly, for sinners, then we can be... Thanks, Teddy. Um, then we can be made right with God. We can be his friends again. We can be brought back into that perfect relationship. Well, this is wonderful news for sinners. This is wonderful news for those who see that hostility is, is, part, is just there in every area of their lives. And it's not, the bigger problem is not that they fall out with people that they would rather get on with and they can't seem to get on with people is that they have a broken relationship with God. If that's you, uh, this is wonderful news that Christ died for sinners. And there's some people here, actually, who have already believed that. And uh, we're going to be reading a few more verses today, today. And that's because Paul's purpose in writing this letter is to assure Christians of what Jesus has done for them and what it means. That we would be delighting, reveling, in that wonderful truth that Jesus died for us and that we are now reconciled to God. Because on the day in, day out, when things go on, you sort of think, are those the things that determine whether I'm right with God? Are the sufferings, the trials, are they the things that give me an indication of whether I'm right with God? Well, Paul doesn't want that because he says that none of those things can take away your assurance. None of those things can affect where you are with God. Um, Let's read from... um, Uh, verse 9 well you can tell he's talking about Christians because he says we have now been justified by his blood and then he goes on to say much more and much more and more than that Okay, so we're going to see for the Christian Paul is going to take the reasoning, the logic of the cross that Jesus died while we were ungodly that his death reconciled us to God and he's going to apply it to what's going to happen going forward What's he say? Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. So the what difference does this make for you, Christian, is that you can have full assurance that you will be saved, that you are being saved. If you think about it, his logic is the death of Jesus at the point while we were God's enemies was able to reconcile you. Now that Jesus is alive, and now that we have been reconciled, do you think it's going to be a difficult thing for God to bring you to him and to eternal life? Do you think having done all that, that God is going to say, oh, I just can't, I, you know, it's up to you now. If, if by his death, 
Jesus could reconcile sinners to God. Then by his life, and he has been raised to life, he is sure as anything going to be able to bring you um, to eternal life with God. And that's the assurance that Christians have. On the day when everything is going wrong, when you're struggling as a Christian, when you haven't read your Bible and you think you feel guilty for that perhaps, the assurance is there because it doesn't affect your relationship with God. It may affect how we feel about our relationship with God. That's another story. But it doesn't affect the relationship with God because God has saved, he has reconciled you by his death, by Jesus' death, and he will continue. You shall be saved by him from the wrath of God. Uh, we sang about it, didn't we? Uh, this blessed assurance in that song. When sorrows come, when sea billows roll. This blessed assurance is that I am his. It is well with my soul. It's not well with my situation. It is well with my soul. I have been redeemed. I'm, I belong to him. And there's nothing, nothing that can take that away. Nothing can take that away from me. And what does that produce? Well, the second thing it produces in the life of a Christian is joy. Um, it's interesting, isn't it, to think about when we lose our joy. And it's when things that we love can get taken away from us. So if I lost my iPhone, that would affect my joy. If my car breaks down, that's going to affect my joy. Whereas if there's something, a relationship with God, that simply cannot be taken away from me, that is going to produce unending joy, isn't it? A joy that cannot be reduced, but it's actually just going to grow. And that's what Paul talks about in um, verse um, 11. Let's read verse 10. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. There is rejoicing. There is praise. There is delight and joy. Because the one thing that we needed has been given to us and it cannot be taken away from us. If you want deep joy, if you want lasting joy, don't go after anything else. <laughs> because all of those other things can be taken away from you so easily. This is the one thing that cannot be taken away from you. So for the Christian, yes, their hostility with God has ended. But that's only really one side of things, isn't it? Um, if it's just the fact that they've avoided the judgment, fine. But they have a, now experienced God's love. They have a relationship with him that cannot be taken away from them. And that's why that man could write that song in the midst of his grief. He just lost his family. He can say, I'm not happy. I'm not happy. But it is well with my soul. I don't have a smile on my face. But my, I know where I stand. My joy is in God. My hope is in God. And we've asked, answered those questions. Why conflicts? Why is there conflict? Well, there's a broken relationship with God. And it affects all our other relationships. That's a different answer to the answer that we have, isn't it? We tend to sort of talk about who did what and, and you know, whose fault it is. 
there's a, there's a bigger problem. But God doesn't just point out the problem. He doesn't just identify the problem. He actually fixes it. He sends his son. His son died for sins so that we can be reconciled to God. And Christians can have full assurance of that. And it produces real and lasting joy. And so if you're not a Christian, would you consider what Jesus has done for you? Would you put your trust in him for eternity? And actually, that is going to be the thing that brings you greatest joy and enduring joy. And maybe you can speak to some of the people here this evening um, who have put their trust in Jesus, who have, who have had that experience of peace with God. No longer are they running from him, hiding from him, but they know his love uh, for them. And if you are a Christian, keep rejoicing. Your rejoicing is in, not in your situation, not in the ups and downs of life, but your rejoicing is in the fact that your soul has been redeemed. You have been reconciled to God. You have an eternal hope that can never be taken away from you. And let's pray. Father God, there are two days in which you will bring and will bring hostility between with us and you to an end. The first is the day your son Jesus died on the cross. The second day is when Jesus will return. Like it or not, all hostility will be brought to an end. And we don't want to be on the wrong side of that hostility. Especially because you have done everything that is possible to make us your friends. Would we accept your free offer of grace this evening, your free offer of the blood of Jesus to justify us, to make us right with you? And uh, would that joy continue in our hearts? Would other people see that joy? Would it be the thing that we boast about? So that other people might hear of the good news of being reconciled with you and being reconciled with one another. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.